Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Come on. Go. Hey guys, welcome to The Tapping Go. My name is Matt. My name's Freddie. Each week we bring you your rugby fix with interviews with past and present rugby professionals and we get their views on the latest sporting issues. Hey guys, welcome back. Congratulations, we've all made it back through another week of quarantine. I know it's getting boring, but hopefully this will bring you a little bit of respite for this week. Today we're very lucky to be joined by Jamal Ford-Robinson, Gloucester's front row. Jamal, how are you? I'm good. I don't know about very lucky, but yeah, I'm here. Well, it means a lot to us that you've given up some of your time to... Uh, come speak to us this evening. So, I mean, we'll start in the current, in the present day with loss of the season. Obviously, it's been less than ideal. Not the results haven't quite been falling your way. Is there anything which, like you as a player or as a club, you've identified where you need to improve? Um, it's a tough one because um, I think if you were to come into the training ground and and kind of get a, a sense of the vibe around the place and and the kind of belief in what we're doing, it would. Uh, it wouldn't be a reflection of where we are, right? Because we're all buying in and we're all working very hard. Um, and I'm sure I'm saying that out loud. I know everyone says that, right? <laughs> who's going <laughs> who's gonna to come on the podcast and say, yeah, got no idea what we're doing and we can't be asked. But but it's true. Like, we are working hard um, and, and there is real belief in what we're doing. And, and it kind of sounds a bit stupid to say, given the results, but I don't feel like we need to change that much. I think we just need to get better at, doing what we say we're going to do um i think you see glimpses of it in games where it's like oh there's a there's a bit of the the gloucester that we all know um and then then there's probably larger parts of the game where it's like ah there's the there's the gloucester of current (laughs) throwing a game away so yeah it's um talk about throwing a game away there's anything in particular that you guys have identified as that's where you've been losing the games I, I think it just comes down to like the consistency in what we're doing. Um, I think I, I don't know how to say it without sounding so cliche, but there is. It's just like the the just the, like the lapses in concentration as a team where we just like we'll I don't know we'll like concede a penalty when we're trying to score a try, right? So it'll be at their end, concede a penalty, and then we'll back it up and then back it up again, and suddenly we're 
gone from attacking their try line to like five meters defending our own. Um, and it's just like it's just it, it's 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 relatively small stuff in a game, but the frequency of it and is what's killing us. Is that completely a mindset thing? Would you say? Um, I think yeah, not not completely, but I think yeah, for the for for a large part, I think it would be, um, because. I think we're we're definitely fit enough to do what we want to do, um, and we've got like whoever sits on the bench, we've got really good. Um, what what does he like to call them? Finishers, really good finishers, good, good impact players going off. So like we we've got the team to do it, and we've got the fitness to do it. But I think yeah, maybe it is. It's the it's like the mental lapses in concentration or, or whatever it is that is you know especially in in the premiership it's just like you, you're off it for one play and suddenly the other team are taking advantage of it and and then it just escalates from there so obviously looking forward to the rest of the season you guys i think you're you've won one game so far this is, is it now a case of just sort of surviving the season trying to get a few wins is making sure you're there next season and almost already looking forward to planning for next season um <laughs> Uh, not not really uh, and i only said that because because of like the the words you use like in terms of like surviving like we are in in like no means of that attitude of surviving right we we still we still believe in ourselves that there's like a lot of um just like untapped potential within the team um and i think once it clicks i think we will be flying and i I, I genuinely believe that, like, come the end of the season, because I think what will we'll be only about round seven or something. It's still very early days, right? So I, I genuinely believe, like, when you look towards the end of the season, like, the kind of, I, I think we'll be climbing, and I think like the, some of the issues that we had at the start of the season will be like people just forgot about them because of of the turnaround we've had. Um, but I mean. I suppose on on a, on a bigger picture, it is about you know uh, we don't know what's going on come the end of the season that kind of thing. So bigger picture is yeah we need to get our act together uh, quick because like you've seen with like the likes of Newcastle coming up this season like there is no easy games anymore. So we need to get our act together quick, get ourselves off the bottom. Um, and and then yeah we then we we build going forward right because this is a new coaching group this is a relatively new playing group we've got some signings coming in next season so it's um it's definitely something that's uh, <laughs> again it sounds like a transition a, a, a cliche because uh, you speak to uh anyone that, and they say oh yeah we're, we're in transition unless you're winning stuff you're in transition there's, a, there's no <laughs> there's there's either one or the other either winning the prem or you're in transition but like we are genuinely in like a transition period where like we've got new coaches got a, 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 the squad next next season isn't going to be like vastly different but you've seen a few signs that are already going to come in we've had some signs come in this season that will be here going forward and i think once it all starts to click then i genuinely believe like we'll be pushing for top spots yeah i think that's that can be, i think you only win this season came against Wasps, who were in the premiership final just last year so i think that shows the diversity and how easy it is to first to lose the last last to beat first etc yeah um, and I promise we are going to move on to slightly more positive things, but obviously the Six Nations come out, so you've lost two of your, I mean, 
main players and Johnny May and Louis Samet on the wings. How, is that how big an impact is that going to have on the squad? Is that almost a change in tactics because you've lost two of the most deadliest finishes in the world rugby at the moment? Um, I think, thankfully, for 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 the troubles that we have, back three doesn't seem to be one of them. We do have like some like solid options across our back three. You know, like Woody. We got Thorley, who's still with us, um, guys like that. So, so uh, I think luckily we're we're not. Uh, the fact that those two have gone isn't isn't like they're good players, right? I'm not going to say they're bad players, but it's not like it isn't the worst place they could have been taken from. Is is the wings, right? Um, and and to be honest, it doesn't really. I, I I'm not a back. Who do I don't know? Who I don't know what they do. My head's just in the bottom of the ruck most of the time, but. I don't think it would change the way we play that much because in essence, we have a system and everyone fits with that system, right? There's, there's stuff like that probably uh, I've seen like Zamet do, especially in terms of like, we'll just kick a ball downfield. There's one last season, we just, there's a load of space in the backfield. We just hoofed it down there with like no real direction. And he was just so fast that he just outpaced everyone and scored a try. So, I mean, like, stuff like that, like, the kind of, like, 1%, like, how have you done that? That's ridiculous. Like, probably can't do that. But in general, it doesn't really change anything. Yeah. And so, looking more positive, I can't even say this is almost a year ago now, but during COVID, you won Community, community Player of the Month. So, while there's no rugby, they changed the Player of the Month. To, and that was more for your, sort of, your funny videos and blogs that you were doing. What was the thinking yeah. behind that? Just, were you bored? And that was your way of entertaining yourself? Or was it looking to have a positive impact on the community? Uh, I'd love, I'd love to say that it was purely to have a positive impact on the community. <laughs> However, the original, uh, the original thought behind it was, I need something to keep me entertained here because I'm in a in a one bed flat by myself with absolutely nothing to do, like everyone else, and I needed something to to commit to. So my commitment for those few months was to get up and make a stupid TikTok every morning. Um, but then obviously like it, it then after a few videos, uh, I realized that it, like, you know, people were loving it. Um, and I realized that it was probably, it was more than just me just keeping myself entertained with my shirt off. It was like, oh, this is like, this is people, I had messages of people like, genuinely like I'd sit at home all day and I just look forward to your next post and I was like oh that's kind of cool yeah. <laughs> there's one which I think sort of struck everyone loved in particular and that was your Whitney impression I'm being incredibly cheeky can we get a little glimpse <laughs> of that now <laughs> I don't know what what, what did I even do uh, it was just a lip sync of the of uh, of Whitney right yeah I know it was which is a and that one yeah <laughs> Yeah, lucky I didn't get to. I didn't have to sing it in the TikTok, right? I just yeah, uh, that was going to be made. It, I reckon that was double the views we had. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on, looking at your career more on a whole now. Um, you obviously started off with Bristol. You won promotion of them up from the championship, but then obviously the next season you're immediately relegated again. What was it sort of like being part of a squad who achieved such highs and then lows again? Uh, it was, yeah, it was weird. It's it a, it a journey because it's um. I say I have very fond fond memories of it because it like it was uh, it's just such a weird time with like a, a real good squad, but I think there was a lot of uh, external stuff going on that was kind of out of our control, um, and it's just like it just got to a point where it was like let's just enjoy the ride. So like I, I ended up jo I joined, I actually joined um, halfway through 
a season before where we were looking to get promoted um, and we lost to Worcester in the final. So like I kind of joined with Bristol with the expectation of like, right, I'm going to join. I'm going to go into the, into the Prem and, and whatever. And then it was like, I joined, we lost. It was like, oh, another year in the champ then. <laughs> and then like you said, then went on to get promoted and like, <clears throat> I just don't think we were nearly enough prepared for coming up as, you know, like the the now the the Bristol of now and and Newcastle for two examples of like they've come up and like they've actually been prepared for the for the jump to the prem. Um, but no, it was it was a fun time. You're glad that was was that you make it sound like there was a noticeable difference between the championship and the Premiership. Obviously, <laughs> the question should relegation and promotion be scrapped and just make the Premiership bigger. What are your sort of views on that? Oh no. Whatever I say here, someone's gonna hunt me down. <laughs> um, <clears throat> there is a there is a massive gap. There is a massive gap between the two. I think there's there's probably. I mean, if you look at it at the moment, you've got <clears throat> Saris who can obviously come back up. Um, and I th- I, well, <laughs> judging off the the past couple of results, Ealing are ready to come back up too. So, or, or sorry to to come up um, into the prem as well. So. Uh, and it's kind of been the same. There's always been like one team in the champ who's ready to to make the jump, and then there's just a gulf of 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 um, of uh, quality, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't you know. It's hard to it's hard to say because uh, without being biased somewhat, I, I I can see like the benefits in in getting rid of it getting rid of the the relegation um i, I do think <clears throat> i think I, I i personally think that if if you had the 12 or 14 13 teams whatever you was going what is going to be i i i think it would especially at the moment financially it would be really beneficial for everyone involved to like say okay we can take a breath like the world's gone to shit the last couple of years this just Take the foot off the gas. Two years where you don't have to worry about dropping down to the champ and losing all your BT money and your prem money and all that. Let's just establish ourselves, and then we'll reopen it again, and we're back to normal. Um, but then I, I can also see the flip side of it as like, especially if you're a neutral, it's like, oh look, look the bottom, look, oh look, they got to win the next two games or they're fucked, and it's like, oh, it's exciting. Um, so yeah, I can I can see both parts of it, and I, and I, and I, I don't really know the ins and outs. Like rugby players, we we never get told anything. Most of the stuff we find out is on on Twitter already. But like, I I know that I think it was supposed to get voted that they were scrapping it, and then BT were the ones that put a stop to it. I think, don't quote me on it, but I think that's what happened. Um, which I like again, kind of makes sense from what I was saying is like of course BT the guys that pay for the for the TV rights is like that kind of relegation promotion thing is going to draw the views um, but I do think in my personal opinion if I had to sit on one side of the fence I, I would say I think just given the circumstances that we've been through the last season and a half is like Let's let's chill out. Let's stop the relegation for now because, like, of all the COVID points and all that stuff, 
but I would say let's put a date on it in in the future where we where we open it back up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting hearing a player's point of view. So obviously, for you, 2017 was the year you left Bristol, but also the year you had your England call up for the Barbars game. Obviously, everyone says it's a Barbarians week. It's completely different to any other international fixture. Was there anything that you sort of noticed, especially away from like comparing it to like a normal club game, the Barbarians? Like, what was it like? Um, I suppose. I mean, I mean, it sounds obvious, but obviously, it was like probably one of the biggest games I've played. Um, I think, I, I think like maybe a more valid comparison would be like comparing a Barbar's game to an international game because like going from playing any sort of, of club rugby, unless you're like in the premiership or Heineken, Heineken cup final to putting on an England Jersey and representing England against anyone is going to be, is going to be massive. Um, but I mean, yeah, like it is. I mean, it is a historic fixture as well, right? England versus Barbars, and and like who plays for the Barbars and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, yeah, it is it it very cool to 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 be a part of that, um, and 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 what followed um, in that off season. Yeah, you said that. I quite tell me if I'm wrong, but I think you said that, that experience made you realise the level of rugby you're playing was attainable, and that that could potentially become a long term aim, and you could probably break into the England setup. Is that still something that you believe? Yeah, I do. Um, it's not necessarily something that I kind of aim for every day. You know, it's not it's not something that like I don't wake up and think, you know, like England squad, England squad, England squad. But I think like I, I think that if I get my shit right and play well for the club, I think that is a, a level that I still think I can achieve. And obviously, you got put up all the time, Matt. Go. How um how how I guess in an England squad I guess like obviously barbarians have that iconic style of play. How do you prepare for that sort of? Because you must expect sort of the unexpected in a weird sort of way. Mm. It's funny because it's kind of similar to. Uh, am I allowed to say this? Yeah, go on then. <clears throat> it's probably like similar to how we prepared for Bristol. Like this this weekend is our is our fixture coming up. Bristol are like again their team that that they just throw all sorts of stuff at you you know like they have they have a way that they play but they've also got stardust everywhere and you can't you just can't account for all the possibilities so the i th- i personally think um it's what we've been doing it is like the main focus has to be on what you do like in your defense or your attack or whatever what, what is is you have to be kind of fully switched on and in control of what you do so that you can then adapt to whatever you're facing because trying to, you know, trying to look back over Barbarian's history and go, okay, they ran this play. So this is how we're going to defend that. I mean, they ran that play and that's going to defend it. And then suddenly you've got like 200 random scenarios where they've tapped and goed and then did an up and under and sent 15 people flying at you. And it's like, you just can't account for it all, you know? Um, so I think like you, you just make sure your stuff's in order, um, and and I expect the unexpected. Was it was it fun to play against, or was it just frustrating? To be honest, uh, I would love to give you a, a genuine answer, but I can't even remember the game. To be honest, it's it's been uh, it's been what's it been? Not that long actually. It's been a few years, but but like I can't really remember the detail, the game in detail, and I and I, I came on for. 
for 20 minutes and I, my probably, I was probably too busy overthinking everything and like, oh, what's this? Is it an England shirt? Oh, is it Twickenham? Oh, to, to even worry about, you know, what they were, what I was up against. And obviously, they, you don't got caught up for Argentina towards injury cover. So they, I know you didn't get a cap, I don't think. But what was that like on England tour? Like, that's every every person's dream, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that, that was really cool. And like I said, I didn't get a cap. But going out there for the experience of, of touring with your national side was, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's like everything you'd expect it to be, right? Like, the fact that you're, literally representing your country in another country and having what do you had three games out there um yeah incredible experience they say that a rugby team who goes on tour like the camaraderie is, is nothing like it are there any particular stories that stick out from that tour which just demonstrate how close everyone got as a as a group um my memory is terrible <laughs> um I don't know, really. I, I, I can't really pinpoint any stories. I, I wish there was more. I mean, like, because we obviously was out there for three three games and we we only got to kind of really go out and, and enjoy ourselves after the last one. Um, and then, obviously, that was soon after a season. So you play a long season, then you go on tour and it's like you've probably got a bit of uh, pent-up drinking to do. <laughs> so so remembering things from that night is uh, always going to be cloudy. But like, I just remember just like, especially as someone that wasn't playing, when you, when you feel like you, you're so much part of the team and, and, and the squad effort for going out there and, and trying to win all three games, even though you're not even playing, like that's probably like the main my main takeaway from it is that like I, I held a bag for three weeks. Like, I got to go on holiday, hold a bag for three weeks. But like I felt like I was part of it. Um and I suppose that that was my main takeaway from it. Alrighty guys, it's that time again. Time to pay for the pints. Today's podcast has been brought to you by our mates over at Team Blazers. Big shout out to them. The great British Blaze company kidding you out for every match day social. Check them out now. Moving on, you then went on to after Bristol, you went to Northampton and I think injuries sort of almost played your whole time in Northampton and especially in your last season when they finished fourth. Have injuries mm-hmm. had quite a big impact on you, especially like mentally on your game? Yeah. Yeah. Um as yeah, my, my first season was a right at Northampton, then basically my whole second season was a write off with with an injury that I picked up in in preseason and just plagued me until about February, I think. Um and there was definitely times where I was like, "Oh, it wasn't a reality." But I was thinking, "Oh my god, I'm I'm done here. Like, this is this is. Am I ever going to come back from this?" When you're just like you you're rehabbing away, but you know, there's no progression from the day before, and it's like, oh, "This is it. This is done." Um, so yeah, I mean, like they did affect me mentally from that, um, but then I, I also feel like. I took the positives out of those as well so that I came back from that and it's like okay uh, I'm I'm much stronger for for going through that um, and if that situation was to occur again um, then I can kind of apply that same mentality one thing that actually this isn't <laughs> this isn't all doom and gloom I'll, I'll be fine 
obviously injuries and mental health quite a big thing in rugby as well because they're so frequent do you think there's enough in place to help players especially like within the clubs I was actually just about to send a tweet out before this started because I actually had a, 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 an interview with someone earlier and they asked a similar question um, and then I checked my emails and um, the RPA so the Rugby Players Association um, they've formed a partnership with Headspace and have given every RPA member um, a 12-month subscription to Headspace, um, which I use anyway, um, but now I don't have to pay for it for a year, which is nice. <laughs> um, so, I mean, like, th- that alone is probably an indicator of, yes, like, mental health is being recognised and, like, we've got posters up all around the club of, like, it's okay not to be okay, this is the number to call, um, you know, if you want to speak to the club doctor, here's an anonymous, an, an, uh, you know what I'm trying to say, um, anonymous number that you can call. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think it's definitely being, like, noticed um, as it is in kind of general public life anyway over the last few years. Um, and I think stuff like that is is probably, like, a tangible um, bit of evidence to show that yeah like it is being looked at no that's good I think that's what everyone also like it seems to be it's more, there's more and more involvement when you look at the charities the organisations who are really like anyone just needs to be able to feel comfortable and be able to reach out and just find help they need to mm. yeah um, obviously oh sorry Matt you have a question no um, he's just chilling he's just chilling he's just loving yeah. it um, and then obviously Gloucester is where you're at now and you went there so obviously one thing with Gloucester is the initiation is the milk challenge, which I believe is eight pints of milk in tw- 20 minutes. Correct. How did that go for you? Um, well, spoiler alert, I didn't, didn't do it. <laughs> I was bold for a bit. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. There, there is a strategy to it as well, which I tried to adopt, but it's just, uh, it wasn't working for me. Uh, I, um, so I'll, the, the, the guy, the guy you need to speak to, Charlie Beckett, so he he was at Gloucester, um, left. I don't know where he went, but then came back on on loan for a bit. But he did the milk challenge twice. Didn't need to, but he, he came back and he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to do it again." And he he completed it both times. Um, Jordy Reed, you obviously know if you follow Gloucester, he he did it um, this year. So apparently the strategy is, so you have to have the the, the thing is you have to have all eight pints of milk consumed on the 20 minute mark so as long as uh, as long as when the clock strikes 20 and all all eight pints are in you then you then you, you're good um so the 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 kind of the kind of strategy is you kind of sip away at seven of them or as many as you can six or seven of them over like 19 19 minutes 20 and then when you're like on the countdown to the 20th minute you just slam the last two back or the last pint back like just hold hold for as long as you can till the clock strikes twenty, and then inevitably you see all eight pints come back up. Hey, we'll try that. We'll put it on socials. Yeah. <laughs> from, from Matt and I now, this is a challenge to all our listeners. We want to see your milk challenge. That we want eight pints. Send them in, and we'll post the best ones on our socials. You've heard the tip, so hopefully we have some success from somewhere. <laughs> Um, and we'll tag Jamal so he can see whether anyone managed to beat, beat his effort. Um, so obviously at Gloucester's also in front row, you play both tight and loose. You're one of the few left in the professional game who's happy to play both. Is that 
something that you just think you're a very versatile player or is there one which you prefer but you've just been asked to play other, the other way at times? Um, no, so I, I mean, I before I kind of started playing full-time, I was a, as a loose head um, and then picked up tight head when I went to Pirates back in the day um, and then have just kind of maintained playing both as I've gone on, um, I think we're, like, if you were to look at the majority of my games, if not all of them pre-Gloucester, I think they were all at tight head. Um, but I've always just made sure I'm on top of loose head as well. Um, and then, um, yeah, this season there was a point where it was like, we need uh, we need a loose head. Um, and I was like, I'll, I'll give it a go if you want. Um, and it's, yeah, it's gone all right, so I now seem to flip between the two, depending on uh, what the weather's like. <laughs> yeah. Dream has one to play both. There's obviously a lot of competition in the Gloucester. Do you think that's something that plays for your advantage? Uh, yes and no. I think I think maybe if you're if you're like kind of out and out now. This is I'm only a tight head. This is all I'm all I'm interested in. Then um, I think it's easier to kind of put that pressure on one person but then if you're looking at if your if your goal is like I, I don't care I just want to be involved I just want to play every weekend then it's like now you've got two opportunities to to make the squad um so I, it, it can it can work both ways now moving away from rugby I think I'm hoping some of our listeners will also recognize you from more from the gaming world obviously that is one of your hobbies which a way you quite enjoy a bit of I believe it's PS4 you want to tell us a little bit about that I do have a PS4, but the PC is is where it is. PC is where it's at. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I just I've been on PC or Xbox. I think since I was a kid, I've always gamed. I think like like uh, probably most people my sort of age have kind of just grown up with it. Um, and then my love for gaming has probably only just got stronger as I've got older <laughs> and I've had more money so I can throw it away at more stupid high-end PC specs that I don't need um so yeah I mean I, I love I love gaming I do it most days to come back and after I've done a bit of uh, recovery in that then I'll just sit on the PC for a few hours and kind of give the band give the band to the lads and throw in a few headshots um yeah, stream it sometimes on Twitch. Um, got involved with a with an esports team, which is a which is a, a new one that I'm trying out. Um, so you've yeah. been appointed assistant coach or a coach, haven't you? For yeah, so so one of the so one of the people I um, we we so the main game I play is League of Legends. Um, and we had a game against. Uh, so it's like rugby players versus um, XL staff. So there's, a, there's, a, there's an esports team called XL Esports who are um, based in Twickenham, actually, um, like in the stadium. And there's uh, we put together a team of five rugby players to play against them, and we absolutely wiped the floor with them. Um, but one of the one of the guys who was like commentating on the game. Um, I've just been speaking to him about loads of sorts of like coaching and, and coaching philosophies and stuff and like the difference between sport and esports. Um, and when lockdown happened, um, we ended up like 
as you can imagine, like nothing to do. So like every day for about two months, we just put like five, six hours, seven, that's being conservative, 10 hours a day or something like into League of Legends. And it was just like nonstop. Um, and then, yeah, he got the he got the head coach gig at um, this team called Godsent and, um, and said, you know, like all that kind of coaching stuff that we've been speaking about and your kind of experience in in professional sport, I think it could be um, valuable to to the team. Do you want to come and give it a go? And so, yeah. Yeah. You actually Sorry. raised quite an interesting point there with like the comparison between esports and rugby. Do you mind if you sort of just share a few like comparisons and similarities between the two? Yeah, I mean, for, for the most part, I think it's everything involved in professional sport that's not specific to the sport. Um, so kind of all the other stuff that, like it surrounds being a professional um you know m- maybe maybe the kind of like the physical side of it isn't isn't the same the physical requirements but in terms of like the me- mental requirements the, the preparation in terms of nutrition in terms of like sleep um that all those sort of things are like they're one for one they're completely transferable between rugby football cricket and then even a professional FIFA player professional call of duty player it's all it's all the same um so that's why i think like i know like in general there's kind of to be like a stigma of like oh esports what 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 even is esports is do you mean people get paid to play games or people watch you on 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 your computer people watch you and they and they pay you it's like uh, like people don't really get it but the i think if you took a few minutes to actually look into it and realize that like these guys they <laughs> i mean even even i'm thinking it now like saying like they train to be a professional They're like, what do you mean you train you just play the game but like they genuinely like train to be the best at this game and they dedicate their time to it um and in a lot of the cases, especially in comparison, in, compared to rugby, the money is there too. Um, yeah, like I, I think it's it's, I think it's something that will become more and more kind of apparent as as time goes on that actually this is a, a genuine thing that's happening. Have you found that gaming, whether it be Warzone or League of Legends, being a way for you almost in these weird COVID times, been a way for you to communicate with members of the squad? I know Ben Young's recently spoke about the effect of Warzone in the England camp. That's some, some of the new boys who've never been on the camp before. That was one of the ways they really could gelled as a squad. Is that something you found? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, lockdown was was a, uh, a clear litmus test for that and that, like, it was the only form of communication you really had well and it's not the only form you can you can phone call someone or facetime them but like you when you're not seeing them every day um at the club and then you know you go you might just log on and sink three four hours into call of duty and you probably don't realize it at the time because you just think you're gaming but actually that uh, that is like time that you're spent communicating with other people and it's like uh, it's something i said earlier as well was that like you know this kind of like war on social media thing that's been happening recently with like people realizing that being on instagram all the time or facebook all the time has been taken away from the kind of personal experiences that you have just 
talking to people as you know face to face and then suddenly now we can't do that and it's like oh actually this is probably uh, this is probably a good time where these social media things that we have or, or online game is actually beneficial because this is now um you know this is now the, the norm at the moment yeah, like we're doing this podcast over over zoom whereas like obviously ideally you just get on the road and go and do it in person but now like everyone does pub quizzes and shit on zoom or microsoft teams and and it's probably like the it's probably the way things will be done a lot in the future because people are realizing that like especially in business like do we need to spend i'm going off on a tangent but do we need to spend like loads of money on a on a office block um or can people just chill out at home and you just do it like this no yeah definitely i, I mean i've found personally as well as you have that during especially the second lockdown gaming has been a, it's been a saving sort of way to communicate with friends and way which probably before lockdown no one really thought about it in that way mm. um one final thing before we finish is very very early on is you had a slight i'm not gonna say a professional wrestling career but you, you you're involved <laughs> with wrestling yeah and i you almost you had had links to the WWE and you actually took part in one amateur show. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I won't say I had links to WWE. I like I a friend of a friend of a friend was there, but like, I, they, yeah, they, Triple H doesn't know who I am. Is, is the point? Um, but yeah, so back when I was at, I was at Cambridge, I was part time. Um, I was labouring on a, a building site by day, doing the kind of rugby by the evening thing, living the dream, of course. Um, and I went to a um, a show called Progress Wrestling. It was down in London, um, and it was their first ever their first ever show. Um, so I went along, really enjoyed it. I don't really remember how, but I ended up speaking to the guy who ran it, um, Jim Smallman. His name is I think he's one of three that that ran it at the time. Um, I think it was because he was from Leicester and I'd been to Leicester Academy. So I was like, oh, this is my inn. Like, which is, oh, Leicester. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Um, anyway, so so I had that connection and then um, ended up going along to their their school, like their their, their wrestling school, Projo it's called. Um, went to that a few times and then they had this um, idea for a show called Endeavour, um, which was like, it was like a, like a, a sub show where you just like it was mainly for like the trainees to kind of get some experience in wrestling with like actual people coming to pay to watch but obviously like everyone knows it's people that are just coming up um and yeah i had i had a match on there um my name was crisis but spelt weirdly as k-r-i-s-y-s i think it was um had uh down with the sickness was my entrance team because i fucking loved that song um yeah got on got on the ebay and found myself some like knee pads and some some short shorts and and gave it a whirl and, it, and i i really loved it it was really good um and it was like it's all it always been something that i'd like wanted to tick off the bucket list i was like i'd have to do it at least once um and the i suppose the the, the only downside was that i only got to do it once um because shortly after i uh, got signed at uh, Pirates, so I had to move from from Cambridge down to Cornwall. Um, so I only got to do it once, and you know I, I don't think if I uh, if I went to George Skivington now, I was like, uh, I know this rugby thing is you know very important and all, but you know WrestleMania 50 is coming up, and I want to 
being with a shot, you know. So, so it's, it's definitely on the back burner. But uh, who knows? You know, I, I did a did, there's there's an article in uh, I think it was Rugby World uh, last couple of weeks, and they were talking about some of the comparisons between rugby and wrestling, and I gave my two cents on it, um, and it made me think maybe maybe if uh, I get to like 35 and the body can still move some sort of way, then I can uh, put some muscle on and give it a go. Who, um, but, who do you think of all the Gloucester boys have the most chance of winning WrestleMania? <laughs> well, like WrestleMania is in like one match or? Yeah. Uh, Royal Rumble then. The Royal Rumble. Who would win the Royal Rumble? So um, I'm going to think out loud. So you've got like, like so like Jordy Reed, right? I reckon he's one of those guys. So I oh, spoiler alert, but the, I won't spoil it too much. But the guy who won the most recent Rumble came in at number one. Um, so I reckon, I reckon Jordy Reed is like the kind of guy who just like bat it out. He'd be in the ring for like sixty minutes, beaten like bloody battered, and then just find a way to win. Um, or he's probably kind of got like. You know, you know the rules of Royal Rumble that you have to go over the top rope. Yeah. So obviously, like sometimes you get people that like go underneath the rope, and then they end up just chilling out for like twenty minutes, and you forget that they're in there, and then they come back in. So you probably got someone like Charlie Chapman, who's like he's a bit of a snaky bloke. So he, like, I reckon he'd like climb under the ring, chill out for an hour, and then when it's down to like the last four, he'd disappear and throw someone out. That is my deep dive analysis on <laughs> Gloucester rugby players in the Royal Rumble. Uh, yeah. Well, Jamal, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. We won't take up any more of your evening, but it's been really, really awesome for us. Quite a bit, a bit different from some, some of the stuff we're used to, but being really entertaining and really, really insightful for us into nice. your world. What, what do you mean different? Why? We haven't had someone who's taken part in wrestling or gaming before, and that's sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Link between esports and actual rugby is something we are, as personally, I haven't thought about before, but actually, you raised a few very good points. Oh, that's cool. Made you think. Sure. There you go. <laughs> definitely made us think. It's making the list think. Um, and thank you very much to everyone else for tuning in again. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, hopefully, lockdown's not being too tough for any of you. And we look forward to seeing some of your milk challenges being sent in. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Ciao. Perfect. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.